Hi, everyone. I'm Andrew. And I'm Michael. And this is the Endurance Innovation Podcast. Hey everyone, and uh, welcome back to Endurance Innovation, and also welcome back to our first three-peat uh, guest, uh, Mr. Alan Hovda. Alan, of course, you'll remember from our earlier episodes, uh, is a, a sp- kind of a specialist long course triathlete. He, uh, and that specialty, of course, is um, extreme triathlon. He's a multiple Norseman winner and has participated in uh, a whole number of these extreme triathlon long course races. And it is with this in mind that uh, I asked Alan to come on the show in a kind of a very self-serving, with a very self-serving purpose. Um, And it depends on uh, when this episode actually goes live, uh, whether or not you know this already, um, because Andrew and I have recorded another episode where we talk about our season plans for 2020. But um, I will be um, competing in the Canada Man Extreme Triathlon in uh, July of this year, and it'll be my first uh, Extreme Triathlon. And uh, there are some uh, some gaps in my knowledge. Let's put it that way. So, um, as a you know, as a coach of uh, of many years and as a participant myself, I have quite a, a solid understanding of what it takes to compete and do well in uh, long course triathlon in the standard version of the race where um, there are a lot of things that are known and uh, the course specifically the support on the course is uh, is a bit of a known quantity but um, there are certain nuances in extreme triathlon uh, specifically of course the the terrain and temperature but also the fact that the bike and run portions are not supported. That is, you don't get aid stations on the course. And this is where I have a lot of questions. So I, I can't think of a better person to talk to um, than Alan on this topic. So Alan, thank you very much for agreeing to come on and uh, welcome back to the show. Um, hello, and thanks for uh, for letting me back on the show. It's always a pleasure to to, uh, to participate and, uh, and to listen as well. I really enjoyed your last episode's uh, both in uh, with the aerodynamic and uh, and your talk with um, Gustavo with uh, with the Omnius headband. Yes, um, those are really those are really fun episodes for us to create. Thank you for saying that first of all. But yeah, those are really fun episodes for us to create because um, as uh, as anyone who's listened to the show for any length of time will will know that Andrew and I really like <laughs> our two our two passions are aerodynamics and heat transfer. So <laughs> those two episodes were were spot in the middle of that uh, you know of those two fields for sure. Yeah, yeah, but like it's uh, it's very uh, geek in a way, but uh, I I truly love it. So it's uh, it's right up my alley as well. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks for the feedback. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so in in preparing for this episode, I kind of wanted to uh, give Alan a lot of a, a lot of free hand. Um, but what I think makes sense first is for folks who are not familiar with the extreme triathlon format and what these races are all about, um, Alan, I'm just going to ask you to, you know, do a high level um, overview of what what's involved, just kind of a quick summary and specifically how these races are not the same thing as, uh, you know, let's say a traditional um, iron distance race, whether it be, you know, Ironman branded or challenge branded or anybody else's race. What makes them different? Yeah, the extreme races are different in um, 
in many ways. Uh, the way they are usually, they are uh, Ironman distance-ish. Uh, so, and usually you are you always swim, bike, and and then run. Um, but otherwise than that, they can be quite uh, quite different. Uh, a lot of the races are uh, have different uh, transition zones or different start and finish uh, area, and they go over a various of uh, uh, various of distances and um, and like most of what we will be talking on in this episode, you have to have your own crew. Right. So usually there is uh, no aid station. There, there might be at some some places like you have a water can, <laughs> and I think in Norseman you have one aid station, or oh, maybe two. Okay. Um, so basically, you have to have your own support crew, which is, in my case, it's it gives um, a lot of more possibilities uh, to both. Uh, perform better and to to screw up <laughs> yes that's true I, we've talked in the past how um how you know the longer the, the the longer the event the more opportunities you have to to fuck yourself over um so i guess this is an extra element where you can uh, you can do that yeah definitely and we have done a lot of mistakes uh, as a team in in the past and uh, and i heard or uh, talked to a lot of uh, other participants that that have, have been much worse off than me so it's uh, it's a it's a really it is uh, it is i'm quite happy you you brought up the subject because it's it's a nice topic to talk about yeah i agree and i think with the um the 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 growing popularity of both the extreme uh well the extreme triathlon series which of which you know obviously norseman is the is the main race, but uh, Canada Man in uh, southeastern Quebec is uh, is the Canadian um, Canadian version of it, and it's part of the series. Um, so, with the growing popularity of those events, as well as the growing popularity of events like, I believe the um, um, cycling events like the Leadville One Hundred is self supported. So there are. Uh, that you know again you provide your own crews for aid stations or at least to some extent so it's not only extreme tri events that uh, are encompassing this this added uh, variable of racing it's uh, it's some long course cycling and long course running events as well uh yeah yeah so with that with that preamble um it is yeah as as alan pointed out it is a, a roughly iron distance race which uh you know for most of you listeners you'll know what that means but roughly 3800 meters of swimming 180 kilometers of biking and 42 ish kilometers of running at the end um the so if we can go discipline by discipline what are the the primary differences if if any between say an iron distance an ironman swim and and uh, an extra swim and then same for the bike and the run uh yeah for uh for the swim the difference is uh, is usually not that big of a deal or like the, the the distances are quite usual but often the weather the water is cold um but in canada man it's not i understand no it's it's quite quite temperate i i hear it's around 17 18 degrees so it's not it's pretty reasonable yeah but i i looked at the race manual and you start crazy early as as you're normal for extreme triathlon races as they are 
like since they are long, tougher in in terms of duration, then you often start earlier to to get people past. So right. that can can make it very dark at the start of the swim. Okay, which is in the case of at least Norseman and Swissman and uh, and uh, Patagon Man, as I did as well. Um, but other than that, it's. Uh, it's, uh, it, it can be quite similar. So two things jump out at me when you uh, when you talk about that. So first of all, um, a very early start. I mean, we're as tr- most most tr- athletes are fairly used to early starts. But is there anything that you you would do differently for uh, a really truly early start in terms of your sleep? Because obviously you're going to be getting a little bit less sleep um, than in than in other races. Yeah, and in in early start like. You mentioned or you said the Ironmans are used to early start, but not the, the kind of uh, like for Patagon Man, I had to get up at 1 a.m. <laughs> you might as well not go to sleep at that point almost. Yeah, yeah. So I actually I, I, we, I had some major like technical issues, which was quite difficult to 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 fix in 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 rural Chile. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, so I actually I think I got one hour of sleep. Um, oh, wow. So if you, if you got the possibility to 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 change your uh, your sleeping rhythm or uh, circadian rhythm uh, in that regards, that's that's really beneficial. I haven't been successful at, at doing it. I have some like sleep issues and I'm a typical night owl, so I, I I can't just go to bed one hour earlier. Sure. Uh, but if you got a possibility, that's that would be great. I think too. There's some, um, and I, I mean, it sounds like I refer to this podcast every single time we do an episode. But on Michael Erickson's um, um, that triathlon show um, podcast, he had a sleep expert from uh, Alberta, from Calgary, I believe, uh, talking about banking sleep and getting enough sleep throughout the week being super important, maybe even potentially more important than sleep on any one night. Although there is performance, you know, uh, degradation even from a one night's poor sleep, according to this individual whose name escapes me right now because I just thought of it. Um, But if you're able to bank sleep, I suppose the week before would be really helpful too. If you could get, you know, an extra hour here or there, sneak in a nap, that might be uh, another useful approach to dealing with such an early start yeah yeah definitely i i listened to that triathlon show as well so i heard that podcast and and um, i i i i i support that from from own evidence that you, you can't you can't expect to get the best sleep the night before a race right right um uh, so so but if you got the possibility to to to, to change your rhythm that's preferable and if you got the possibility to do something in regards of logistic to to make you sleep longer that's also something you should look at yeah before we started recording we were just talking alan and i were just talking about um, the fact that he has a brand new baby and uh and i was commiserating with him now my my boys are a little bit older than his but not by much but and, uh, so sometimes sometimes things are out of your hands as far as as far as uh, how much sleep you're going to get in the night yeah, yeah, definitely. And we had uh, we had uh, since two thousand fifteen, we had our son with uh, with us to every race we uh, have been to, like uh, the oh, races. So, so we just have to to do the best the best we can do, and like yeah, that that might be you set up like a twelve hour window for getting sleep, and then you get waking two or three times, and in that window, but but you have that window 
So right. yeah, you have to adapt. Of course. The other thing I wanted to ask about is you mentioned it being dark at a swim start. Now, maybe early wake-ups are not atypical for triathletes, but I'm willing to bet that most people who haven't done an extreme try have never swam in the dark or have it's it's unusual for them to, to start a race in the dark. So anything that's um, different or special that you need to do uh, in these conditions. One thing I'll mention too is um, one of the rules for these races is you do need a beacon light in your cap. Um, so, but aside from that, any any special uh, preparations, whether it be equipment or training or you know execution on the race day, that uh, you would take into account when preparing for a at least a, a swim start in the dark. Yeah, I would uh, wear clear goggles. Right. Yeah, so that's the the equipment side. And if you if you got the possibility to like train train some swimming in the dark, or I'm comfortable swimming in the dark, so I don't I don't need to be hundred percent sure where I'm going, and I don't feel that it's a sea monster that's going to eat me. But <laughs> some people get like panic of water sure. and it can be worse when it's dark. So if, if that's you, then I would, I would try to, to, to practice it and uh, find that it's not more dangerous than swimming in the light. That's a great point because when you're, when you're swimming in daytime, you know, when your face is in the water and you're, you know, you're depending on the, on the clarity of the, of the water you can see or see more see less but when you peek you peek your head up to sight you see you know you can see generally unless you're in the fog i swear i've done i did one race in very thick fog and that was really disconcerting like that was disorienting very disorienting so i think it could be there could be a similar effect when it's dark i mean you're probably surrounded unless you're the swim leader you're surrounded by um, lights of, of your fellow competitors. And I have, I'm not threatening to be the swim leader by any stretch of the imagine in this race. Uh, so that could be, that could be comforting, but, um, yeah, point taken practice. Yeah. Practice. And, and, the, the, uh, like the usual things, if you got a possibility to, to check out the course in advance, if, uh, where it's, where it's going. Right. Like, yeah, but that's, that's, that's nothing unusual. Cool. Um, so the swim sounds pretty, you know, pretty normal other than uh, less sleep and, and darkness. Uh, what about the bike? Anything atypical there? Yeah, the, the, I think uh, the atypical or thing, it yeah, may or may not be. It depends on what Ironman you've done, but often they are more hilly. Sure. Um, and often there are more variations in the weather because the locations are or set at sites which 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 have more more uh, altitude and and generally more uh, unpredictable weather. Uh, so at least in in Norseman we we yeah we had anything from zero to thirty degrees on on the bike I think so. Wow. It is uh, yeah not in the same race but in 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 all the all the times I've done it so. Uh, yeah, I I expect the the weather in Canada to Canada man to be more stable, from what I understood, or, or higher temperature. I think so too. I think it's a little bit. I think it's less of a mountainous environment in Canada man. It's it's more like more forest and hills. Um, there is quite a bit of elevation. I think um, they're saying around twenty five hundred meters, two and a half thousand meters of elevation, um, and so that's quite a bit um so that's you know it's not unheard of in ironman racing but it would be kind of the most the 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 hilliest of races i remember 
the 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 one iron distance race I did was when uh, Muskoka in Ontario had a full distance race and they only had it one time. It was in 2015. Um, and the net of vertical gain there was around the same. So it was very close. Yeah. So how do you prepare for the weather? I mean, so Canada Man may not be uh, too challenging from a weather perspective, but other races are, and we want to make this episode relevant to other folks. Do you just pay attention to the forecast or are you, you know, packing for every sort of, you know, eventuality? Yeah, and one I've, I've done um, is, um, is uh, looking at the forecast. <laughs> And 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 using that as a as a predictor, um, like I I used it in um, in uh, Patagon Man. Yep. And then the forecast said like fifteen degrees and cloudy, but by the like the last couple of hours on the bike, I think it was twenty five and sunny. Oh yeah, that's a bit of a difference, isn't it? I, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, so I actually I, I hadn't put on sunscreen uh-huh. because I looked at the weather. I was like. No, it, it's clouded, so there's, I don't need <laughs> like some truth. <laughs> um, so uh, of course, it's it's you should look at the weather forecast, but you should also uh, put in the margins of error. Right. Um, and like in in Norseman, I've been I've gone to the race very prepared actually. But one year we got three degrees and rain all across the. Hardangerveda Plateau, uh, a section of 50, 54 kilometers, and then I, I didn't have enough clothing. So then I actually got like dehydrated to to a degree that uh, that my performance suffered. Dehydrated, or, no. or or were you hypothermic? Hypothermic, sorry, uh, hypothermic. Yeah. Uh, it was raining the whole time, so I just could open my mouth, so then I wouldn't be dehydrated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what though i i was i was on a training ride once where i was i totally bonked because it was too cold because i couldn't my hands were so cold that i couldn't like physically get my bottles out of their cages and i was um and i wasn't dehydrated but i'm pretty sure i bonked like you know carbohydrate bonk yeah, yeah. because i just couldn't eat or drink anything because i couldn't use my hands it was a pretty crappy experience yeah and yeah yeah, yeah. so the, I've, uh, I've been through it uh, a couple of times uh, myself like being an all-year-round cyclist in, in Norway, you you can experience sure. quite quite some things, but also in like the um, that's also something I've done in 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 Norseman the last year, having proper winter gloves uh, with me. So I've used them with uh, with some occasions, not the last years because it was warm, but yes, I've, I've, the other times like when you said when you when you get cold in your hands, you, then you lose. Uh, lose the feeling and you and you can't perform simple tasks like pulling out your energy bar and eat it yep like it, it, it's, it's it's impossible because you can't you can't feel your hand you can't feel your energy bar you can't like so and and that's a really performance uh degenerator you might say absolutely yeah if you're you know we've we've talked about this on a number in a number of shows how important it is to manage your you know your your metabolic inputs in a race like this in a race that's going to take you know maybe take alan about 10 to 11 hours and take most of us you know, 13 to 16 hours. Um, if you're, if you get your, if you get your nutrition hydration wrong, that's, that's going to lead to a bad day. Um, and the fact that the weather can have a, a knock on effect on how much hydration and nutrition you can take, that's an, that's a very important consideration. Yeah. And in, for bringing it back to the supporters, then 
I, I have arranged it in my uh, in my support vehicle because you have to have a support vehicle. I have um, the clothing I think I might be needing, and then I have like um, which is easy available, and then I have like less um, likely clothing that I will be needing uh, stuffed in another bag, like that could be thicker winter clothing and, and stuff like that. Right. So you can put that on anytime you anytime you have access to your support vehicle. Yeah, yeah. So you you, you have like a a, a bigger uh, variation, or you're better prepared in in terms of equipment of the different conditions. But you have to organize it in a way that you 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 can't have everything at the same place or in the same bag because it's it can be it can be easy to to switch things up and and not finding what you want. Yeah. Sure. Okay, so now let now I think it's probably a sensible place to talk about support. So, um, as a quick, you know, as we started talking about earlier in the show, uh, because there are no aid stations in extreme triathlon or very few, uh, we the participants are not only allowed; they have to have some on course support that they themselves organize. So um, in Canada, man, this this is kind of what it looks like. And then I'll I'll ask Alan to talk about his strategies for optimizing this. But you know, the swim's the swim. There's not really any support there other than um, you still do get the uh, you know the lifeguards on kayaks and boats. So that that part of this life safety component that's still there. Um, but your team, your crew has nothing to do with you on the swim. Um, on the bike, you get one vehicle, which um, you know stays fairly close to you um, on the bike course, and then provides you with hydration, nutrition, and clothing, as we just talked about. Um, and then on the run in Canada, man, at least the support through most of the course um, is optional, but the last nine or so kilometers are technical trail and a lot of climbing, and there you have to have. Uh, a support runner with you. So before that, for the the portions of the run that are on the road, which I think are the middle of roughly 25 kilometers in Canada, man, you're allowed to have a cyclist with you. So somebody riding a bike with uh, whatever it is that you need. And then in the very last, like I said, 9K, you have a runner who is um, helping you carry your essentials um, from that point, which is actually a third transition area at uh, 33 kilometers into the run. All the way to 42, um, you you get that support runner all the way to the end to the finish line. So that's the that's the overview of what it looks like in uh, in Canada, man. So Alan, let's talk about how you would optimize. I guess first the the bike support, the vehicle, and the folks there. How many people do you want in there? What do you want in that car? How much are you actually carrying on the bike, or are you relying almost entire, or is it just you have one bottle and one bar or whatever, and then you're relying on um, your support crew for everything else, or are you carrying quite a bit more? You know, as a contingency, maybe you don't see them, or maybe there's something something happens that you don't get access to them as much. Um, how do you think about that kind of stuff? How much I carry on the bike and how much I'm dependent on the support team depends on on the various uh, on the various uh, like it courses. Okay. And and where you are in the course as well, like in in Northman, and I understand that you have a similar in Canada, man. You can't get support for some parts of the race yes that's true yeah so then you obviously want to carry what you need during that part um, but if you're uncertain how long you would use in in that part then it's 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 much better to to err on the on the side of or caution 
is, is, is that the term for it? Because it's it is, yeah. Yeah, um, I I obviously want to carry everything I need, but as little as possible from a performance perspective. Like I I want to win the race, and and then you don't you don't carry one uh, one liter extra of fluid that you're not going to need. So in um, in um, in races I I know well, um, like Norseman obviously, then I have a bare minimum. So I I know how long time I use between the the different places where I um, I I know my support would be. Right. So I I I might carry like uh, it might be one extra gel or uh, like a hundred milliliters of extra water, but not more. Okay, that's really minimal. That's really quite minimal. Yeah, yeah. In in Northman, but like when I did the Patagonman, I didn't had. Uh, uh, I didn't know the course as well, and then I have have a more, much more, yeah, margin of error in, in that regard. So I, I had an issue where in Patagonman where I lost my bottle, right, and really really bumpy roads, and that was after uh, the after the place where you last was supposed to to get support. So then I had to ride the last 45 minutes in the heat without any fluid. So that wasn't great. No, I bet not. No, it was just, um, it depends on, on the course, but I, I would I would put some some extra gels and, and stuff because it's at least gel or energy bar that doesn't weigh much. So uh, so it's, it's, it's nice to, to have uh, a room to, to play with because it, you might be using more time in the different sections than you uh, than you think, and you might get a technical issue, and you're supposed to solve that as well. So sure, yeah. So so as far as te- so, I've got a couple of follow up questions. As far as you know, mechanicals and things. So you do carry, let's say, like a you know a, a tube and CO two for your own flat repair. You don't rely on your your vehicle for that. Yeah, correct. I I have uh, uh, have it with me. Okay. Uh, so I, I had done in one one Norseman. I I had it with me in the part that I wasn't. Um, I I didn't have access to my support, and when I met my supporters again, then they we took it off. Like it was all in a bottle behind the cage, so we just put it took off right. to save like uh, two hundred grams or something like that. <laughs> sure. Well, it all counts when you're when you're at the pointy end. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But if, if, honestly, I like. I think hundred grams in Norseman would uh, cost me nine seconds. So two hundred grams is uh, is eighteen seconds, and it wasn't worth the hassle. Yeah, and looking at how close the you know the twenty nineteen race was, it all of those you know some people listening to this may may think about it and th- say like oh I don't care about that, and maybe you don't care about that. Maybe your race doesn't come down to eighteen seconds, but sometimes it does, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So we we try to to be minimalized, but I would recommend most people to 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 have a bit yeah have a bit more like you can have. Um, like a, a small tool, uh, in in addition to your CO two and and uh, latex tube. Sure, sure. Um, and as far as uh, where you meet your support crew, do you guys have that uh, planned out in advance? Do you know that they're going to be waiting for me a kilometer nineteen and then a kilometer thirty two, et cetera, et cetera? Yes, uh, we have that detail. So planning is super important, and doing the plan 
first you do the plan yourself, uh, read through the course, and you see the the role, uh, or how the how the course looks like, and then you have to go through the same plan with um, with your crew, and preferably write down the important things. Right. Would you uh, drive the course? Uh, I mean, it's always a good idea to drive the course before, uh, especially if it's a technical course, but would you drive the course a little bit in advance of the race or maybe in my case the day before the race and look for convenient spots to where the the vehicle can pull over safely? Because that's a consideration. You can't just stop in the middle of the road, obviously. You have to be able to pull over safely and you know do your bottle exchange or, or food exchange. Um, and so you, you say, okay, this is a kilometer, whatever, and that's going to be our one of our drop-off points yeah i uh, i have i go through that if if possible um so like in 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 swiss man then um the the it's a point to point race so if you have to drive the course in advance that's 180k yep one way and then you have to go back <laughs> <laughs> nearly the same 180k so oh, yeah that's a that's, long day that's that yeah that's a that's a too long day and in in Swissman, then you it's it's quite easy to get support because of all of the hills and uh-huh. hills are great for having support because they often have like places you can stop. They often have viewpoints like that, and right. you 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 bike much slower in hills. Yeah, I was gonna say that hills might be an excellent place to do that too because you do, you definitely don't want to be getting support on a downhill. That's not very safe um, for anyone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I spoke to Lars Christian Voll and the first like uh, the he's a winner of Norseman and a great competitor of mine and the first time he did Norseman uh, he had his uh, like mother and father as a crew and they were trying to hand out bottles in a downhill when he was <laughs> going like seventy kilometers per hour so <laughs> good luck of catching that. If any of you guys listening have ever tried to sit up at 70 kilometers an hour, like when you're an arrow, you're pretty stable at that speed if the road's smooth, but you try to sit up and then especially, you know, lean over to grab a bottle. Whew, that's a, that's a very dodgy proposition. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you, you see it or you, you experience it in normal Ironman races as well, when you have like in air quote, only 40 kilometers per hour and trying to, to get a bottle. Sometimes I, I need to lose two bottles before i i break and 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 reduce my speed to to be sure i get the last and third option so oh possibility so in in those races it's uh, you usually have uphills where it's uh, or slightly uphills or slightly headwind and or stuff like or oh, the slower the rider the ghost uh, the more ideal the the support uh, section is. Yeah, there's a couple of portions in this race. I think there's one climb right before uh, T2, right before you get off the bike. That's has a pretty steady stretch of 18% grade, which I probably don't want to set up a transition, uh, a handoff there, um, where I probably no. want to be <laughs> yeah, hanging on, yeah, hanging on to my bars as much as I as much as I can. But um, yeah, point taken on on mild uphills. That's smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we have it. Um, like in in Norseman, we don't stop at, at Dyranut where everybody else is stopping because it's flat. So they stop like five hundred meters before it because it then it's a slight uphill. So yes, it's uh, it's easier when you know the course, but it's it's nice to like I I don't know if you got the possibility to mark out every aid station, but if you do, that's obviously uh, wise and and have it written down in like a game plan and have yes like i have my game plan on my aero bar so i know like 
at kilometer 19, I would get like an energy bar and a bottle. So I remember it myself, even if I rode it and used uh, hours of preparing it, I, I don't remember it while doing a race. That's awesome. That's really that's really helpful advice. So let's talk about the crew a little bit on the bike. So you have, um, we, we mentioned that there's a vehicle that will meet you at certain points. So you have uh, two people in the vehicle, more people, one driving, one doing all of the navigating and uh, and handing things off. How does What are the logistics of that um, on-bike support like for the, the crew? Yeah, the crew, it's um, like in Osman, they, and I, I think they had... Uh, I think I read the similar in the Canada Man that you only are allowed to have two crew. Uh, that's a good question. So it does say that there are two crew members, but it, I don't think it capped it at two. But I may have misread that. No, so no, if yeah, it does... I, yeah, I I just read through it quite fast. But like in Norseman, now you only are allowed to have two to make it more fair for internationals because I had uh, I had more. Okay. So, so obviously, big, two for the whole yeah. race or just two for for the bike section? No, two for the whole race. Okay. Good to know. Because I'm talking to people now, like, who wants to support me for this race? And then people putting up their hands. I'm like, yeah, this is going to be a party. But that's uh, <laughs> it's important to note that uh, it might be limited. Yeah, you can see if you if you have got the possibilities. At least uh, I read that you only have are allowed to have one car. Yes, the one car for sure was a lim- was uh, was a hard cap. I'll find out. Um, this is maybe a little bit of a sidebar, but important for people who are planning to do an extreme triathlon is figure out. You know the 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 upper limits of your crew size. The one car, I remember being a hard rule, um, but I'm gonna have to look into the number of yeah people. I mean, you can have supporters who are there with you, cheering you on. They just maybe not able to help you in any kind of meaningful way. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. My whole family and I got a family. There, there are at least twenty people who 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 have like Alan and ba- like banners uh, along the road when I when I'm doing the race, but they're not nice. my official supporters. What? So hometown in, advantage, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's one is driving and the other one is uh, having reading the notes. Like it, it might be the map and it might might be the the race notes. Right. Right. Um, and uh, something I forgot to say when you're doing the pit stop as well. So if you're allowed to have three people, that's great. But if you have two people and you're going to uh, receive like one energy bar uh, and one bottle, then you should place, uh, then the supporter should be placed as far uh, apart as possible, like in, in reasonable distance. But if you can get the uh, one of them standing like, hundred meters after the other. So at least you get time to, to take out the old bottle and do the change before you get the new one. Right. Okay. So at least in my first races, I, I was supposed to receive like one gel and one energy bar and one bottle. And the two supporters were standing like two meters from each other. So I wasn't like able to grab three <laughs> things I wanted, but it, it was like, the, <laughs> you just have to learn it because the, my supporter wasn't, there were some professional uh, supporters. At the, <laughs> now they are, but they were they were they weren't professional, and they, they didn't have they hadn't done a, a similar race, so they they didn't have the the background to understand that it, it wasn't the best place to to do it or the best the best place to stand. Hmm. These are like these are you know they on first hearing them they seem like such little things you know some such small details but again if it makes a difference between you having that bottle and you not having that bottle that's not a trivial difference you know that is a very big deal 
No, and it, it can be very cost dependent, and but like in in some races, then yeah, like if you don't get that bottle, then you might be ten kilometers uphill before you get the another chance to get that bottle. Right. Or like, um, so, or oh yeah, like in Norseman you can't get uh, you can't get support the last twenty eight kilometers of the the bike. Part so if you don't get that bottle, you don't get a bottle. Yeah, yeah, you're kind you, of you, on do, your own. you yeah. don't have the option to pick it up somewhere <laughs> else. So yeah, then you you ride the last uh, forty five minutes. Yeah, kind of thirsty. Any, yeah, kind of thirsty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you. So the, yeah, that's important. That's like that's details, but it's uh, it's really important. Like as an aside, this is one of the things that one of the reasons I'm so excited to do this race because for me, like you know. Alan, you're you know you you win these races. I do, <laughs> I don't win these races. For me, the the satisfaction comes from you know I talk about it as as engineering the you know the optimal race, and it's never going to be perfect. But you you try to make it as as optimal as as possible, right? And make it have have backup plans to make the the, the plans robust. And um, you know, over my years of racing, the most satisfying experiences for me, and I've talked about this before, are the ones where you know, I've had a plan and I was able to execute that plan. And if something went wrong, you know, you could, you had some kind of redundancy. And uh, that's, that's what, one of the reasons why I'm so, yeah, I'm so keen to do a race like this where there's even more planning involved and even more, you know, complexity to the execution um, of the race. Yeah. Um, I, and I totally agree. It's, it's definitely an extra challenge, but it's, it's also an extra possibility to, to do things better uh, in a way so i have some i have some ideas about why that is but i want to hear your thoughts on on what is it you know how how is it that you know a race that on the face of it sounds so much more complicated and challenging how can it be done better than let's say a traditional you know uh aid, it was aid stop race yeah it's uh, it's the it's the having your your own uh, like your your personal supporters they can they can give you uh, much more specific and better support than the than than general aid stations, but they can also give you much worse support than general aid stations. <laughs> so it's uh, it's it's very about like fine tuning your your support team and getting on getting them on board with with your plan and getting them on board with your journey. And they're definitely a big big reason why you can perform as well as you you can. That's awesome. And that's exactly what what my kind of my hypothesis was, is that, you know, when you're picking bottles up from Ironman, you're getting, you know, it used to be Gatorade or water. And now I think it's base or water. And let's say I don't want any of those things. I want, you know, Michael Lieberzon's secret hydration mix and, yeah. you know, whatever. Then that's then I have the option of, of mixing my own bottles, especially with all the stuff that I don't know if you listen to our chat with. Uh, um with Paul Larson when he was talking about the flow bottle and the ice and the the um, the slushy drinks and things. So, for instance, you don't. There's no way you're going to get that from an aid station in an Ironman race. But you know, potentially we have a cooler in the car and you could have frozen bottles or slushy bottles if it's really hot. That's something that I'm going to do, and that's something that without my own support, I wouldn't have had an option to do that. 
Yeah, nej, like, yeah, yeah, that's that's one of the cool things. And yes, I did listen to that podcast, and and yes, I was thinking about how I could get the, like the slushy, <laughs> slush slush machine in my car uh, for this year's Northman. So yeah, yeah just I, I'll just ask you what what solution you you go for, and I'll I'll copy that one. Yeah, 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 um, because it's that's super cool. It's so good, right? Like the that that heat effusion part of uh, of water. It just it's such a it's such an energy storage device. If you can melt the ice inside of you, it's so um, it's amazing for hot races. So I'm super excited to try it for this year. This will be the first year that I play around yeah. with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> back on uh, back on topic. So, is there anything else for the the bike support crew before we jump to the the run support? Um, yeah, I I think I wrote it in my notes. It's very important that you follow the rules. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, specifically, what do you what have you seen people you know violate or you know what have you seen people get penalized for? Uh, what 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 to watch out for? Like in Canada, man, and a Norseman, you you need to park your vehicle outside of the road. Right. Um, so if you if you don't do that, then you can get a penalty. Or your the athlete can get a penalty because the supporters are not following the rules. Uh, so that's that's been a few cases of uh, that happening. And and like you you may like stop places you're not supposed to allow to stop. So just make sure that your support crew know the rules and that you will follow them 100% because it's not worth it for sure yeah to get to get a penalty or dq for for something like that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so i had my crew do something illegal once and they were quite lucky that i didn't didn't get a penalty and that was they they just thought like yeah we just need to stop out to see how he's doing in in a section which is non supportive oh so they weren't allowed to stop there that, that you, you they were not allowed to stop like i didn't get any support they just stopped outside the road and saw that i passed them because they wanted to be sure that i didn't have any technical problems or anything but it, it wasn't legal and i i could get a penalty i could have gotten a penalty for it huh. huh good to know good to know so yeah follow the rules yeah absolutely um, any help in transition that your crew offers in uh, in Canada, man? There are three. There's you know T one swim bike, T two uh, bike run, and T three is bike is run at like is at thirty three kilometers into the run or so um, from road to uh, to the final mountain climb hill climb. Um, any help that the crew provides you in transitions? It it also depends, but it's um, in Norseman where the where the water is cold, then uh, it's it's difficult to feel feel or you have, don't have a lot of feeling in the in the fingers. So I, I have my support helping put on my clothing. Ha. Huh, okay. Yeah. So that can be putting on like socks and 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 shirt and 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 stuff like that because you can't. I'm not always in the condition to zip up uh, a sweatshirt. Right. Um. So just plan what you what what you are going to change into and plan what the supporters are going to do and what you are going to do and practice it a few times before. Okay. Okay. Good to know. And it, 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 it might be similar, um, like when in Canada, man, when you're getting to T2 and T3, and if you're going to change shoes, it might be difficult to change shoes without getting a cramp. Right. Yeah. That's one thing that I was, I'm considering certainly doing because the, the road section in Canada, man, is quite long. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's around 25 kilometers 
and I do plan on running that in road shoes and um, and then switching up to trail shoes for the last section. It's actually trail road trail, so I might do you know two shoe changes um, just to optimize my shoes because there's you know there's a pair I really like for road and a pair I really like for trail. Um, yeah, it, it it it's probably gonna be worth the stop. Yeah, I I would do that, but personally, I I'm I'm prone to get cramping when I when I put my shoes on. So if you if you got support of to to have your shoes open and and have everything prepared to do it as easy as possible, that uh, it might be it might be a good investment. Uh, at at some places like Candaman, if you if you got the possibilities to to change, then then it's great. And I I know don't know how rough the trail is. Yeah, the first uh, the fir- I think both sections of trail are quite rough. Um, the 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 last bit is pretty much just vertical. It's like mountain running sort of. Um, and then the first yeah. the first section is not there's not too much elevation, but it is all single track, so it's quite technical trail. I don't want to really run road shoes. I run quite a bit of trail, so I I have an appreciation for the value of a good trail shoe. Yeah, and if you if you do the if you got the possibility to to change it, it and and can can practice doing it, it, it doesn't take to do it either. So. No, no, not in the grand scheme. Not in the grand, you know, scheme of how long the race is for sure. No, but it's uh, like you you typically overestimate how uh, how how long time it takes. Like it, it does suck to stop in a race when you <laughs> when the clock is going. But it, the it, it often like when I timed how 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 much time I used to put my socks on, it is like five seconds. <laughs> so it's yeah yeah it doesn't take that long. No and. If if you feel better running with trail shoes, then you definitely catch up up that that lost time. Agreed. Okay, so in um, in this specific race during the the middle portion of the run, which is on the road, you're allowed to have a, su- a support um, one of your crew on a bicycle. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that. Is there are there any significant differences between you know how you think how you set that up um, and how you would set up the you know the the on the bike support when you had a vehicle supporting you i mean obviously this is a little bit easier because the speeds are slower um and you don't have to you know park parking a bicycle out of the way of the road is a lot easier than parking a a car out of the way and uh, is this just a a case of you know the the cyclist rides in front of you and you're running behind them and you whenever you want you can you know have a chat with them and take a take a bar out of the you know their pocket or a rear pannier or something like that yeah it's um i had um uh, bike support uh, on the run a, a couple of times i did it in in swissman and that was great and he had like uh my supporter had like a basket behind his, his bike on on the rear of his bike so with all my nutrition so i could just pick it up whenever i wanted to um, and the, but you don't do this for Norsemen, is it because it's not allowed? Yeah, it's not allowed. I did it. Uh, ah. I did it in two thousand and eighteen, and they they then they put the rule. Then they abandoned it after the box. <laughs> so how do you get support on the run? Like how do you get? Uh, I mean, you can't do a marathon unsupported. Well, you can, but you probably shouldn't. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. On um, on the first twenty five kilometers, you're allowed to get bike support, uh, car support. Oh, okay, okay. So the same rules apply. The same rule, like. 
as as when you're when you have car support for when you're on the bike. Yeah, yeah. So they have to get out of the way, and they, they you know, there are only certain places where they can do it. Yeah, the, the similar route. So the the portion I had uh, had uh, someone riding a bike was on the uphill. Okay. Uh, in in Norseman, and because you're allowed to have someone running with you. And that's that's still allowed, but I I couldn't I I didn't have a fit enough runner to be running with me all the way uphill and then also finishing at the top of the mountain. Right, right. Because you can you can have the runner in. So in Canada, man, you have to have a support runner for the last. I don't. Know, it's nine kilometers. The where all the it's like in nine kilometers you have fourteen hundred meters, a thousand four hundred meters of elevation gain. Yeah. So it's quite a bit of quite a bit of climbing in the last nine kilometers, and there you they they say you have to have uh, one of your crew running with you. Yeah, and it's similar in Northman as well. The last four point seven kilometers, you need to have someone running with you. Okay, so you did have a runner. You did have a runner for this last portion. You just it was just wasn't for the for longer. Is that what you meant by you didn't have a fit enough runner? Uh, yeah, because the uphill starts at twenty five kilometers. Ah, okay. So it's it's quite steep for um, for I think nine kilometers, and then it's a flat section, and then you go into the mountain. So you can have a runner with you on that side, but uh, I uh, I I had. My runner, like the one year, he used an e-bike instead with a basket in front, so he could give me what I needed. That, that, that's super practical. <laughs> but then they then they said that wasn't allowed. Yeah, but yeah, they used me as a measurement or <laughs> seeing what what they should be bad. <laughs> <laughs> if Alan's doing it, it should be illegal. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, it's uh, yeah. So I, but I, I, I don't break the rules, so of course I, I, of course. I didn't do it. So, but if it, it wasn't, it wasn't specific specified that you couldn't have uh, someone biking with you so i thought it was a good idea of course it, it was it worked out really well so i would i would recommend having that for you as well with like with the basket which is easy to 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 reach for yeah, that for your supporter to reach that basket or yourself to, to get it perfect Perfect. And then in the very final stretches of where you're, you know, if for your, in your case, it's, what did you say? Four, four something, 4.7 kilometers. For me, it's around. Tw- yeah. 4.7. Yeah. It's yeah. around twice that Very where steep. it's technical trail. It's mostly uphill. It's up a mountain. Uh, for us, we go up the mountain then we come down part of the way and then we go back up again. <laughs> That's the way they've designed the course. Um, any advice for this last section where you've got somebody running with you? Um, trekking poles, no trekking poles. How much do you carry? How much does your support uh, runner carry? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, it, it, uh, you should, if possible, get uh, a supporter which is which is much fitter than you, like in your condition. Yes. By then, I will be in very questionable condition. I suspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah, um, and and hopefully you, if Andrew is going to support you, he would be he would be much fitter than you at that point. Oh, a hundred percent. That's a safe bet. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, like personally, I've never used poles, uh, and in Northman it's not allowed either. But I I never used them. Oh, okay. Uh, period. But um, so I can't recommend or not recommend them. Uh, but um, sure. like generally, you should carry what it's uh, what what the race manual say you need to carry, and everything else should the supporter carry for you. Right. Um, so you obviously you carry as little as possible. Yeah. And, yeah. and if it's allowed in Norseman now, it's not allowed anymore. Uh, when it was allowed or not specified, I had my supporter running 
in front of me finding the good trails in the last section in Northern Australia is very it's a lot of tourists there in a small trail so they both found a good way and and shouted to the people in front like here's uh, the Northmen we're not coming please move aside like something like that uh-huh. okay yeah that's yeah because uh, you, you can get stuck in traffic in Northman at least yeah that's in, that's an interesting point too because um I have no idea how many how many tourists will be on these trails it is a it is a uh, either a provincial or a national park I forget which where the race finishes so um I think I understand it's quite a popular hiking area yeah but at least if it's, it's loud to have your supporter run in front of you I would I would recommend that because you might be pretty low functioning cognitively. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, also a safe bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so, so at least from yeah, having my supporter run in front of me was was nice. But now I have to do it myself. But it's... nice. Well, one last question for you, Alan. Is uh, and this was a question that that Andrew posted, and you know, as as we mentioned, he wasn't able to join us. Um, what? Uh, and I know this is very different, but this is just a question for purely for Alan. What do your supporters tell you to keep your spirits up and keep you motivated and uh, psychologically focused on the task? Or is it all in your head? Is it all just the uh, what was it? Faster, stronger scooter in your ears? Is that all it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's <laughs> that's correct. It, it was a lot of time, but. No, we 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 have. A, it, it is a very good question, um, and I, I don't know if you heard uh, the Marginal Gains podcast. Uh, I do. I'm aware of it, but I haven't listened in, in quite some time. No, no, no. But the, the the answer when people ask what is faster, this or this, and the answer is always it, it depends. Yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. So for me, we like we did a new thing for Northman last year. Is not they're not giving me splits. Ah, okay. Uh, and that's because giving me the split isn't helpful. I, I, I truly want to know how I do compared to my competitors, but the information I get is not helpful. Right, right. So, so it, it it causes me to, to overshoot usually. <laughs> um, because if I gain time, then I, I, I just get eager to gain more time. But it's it's like... So so now we just we just uh, decided that I wouldn't... They wouldn't supply me with the splits. Um, so that's and when it comes to things they're saying to me to motivate me, it's uh, it's all positive things and saying that I'm looking strong, I'm, uh, I can do it, I look amazing and, and stuff like that. Even if it, does, it isn't true, <laughs> yeah, even if it isn't true. <laughs> I remember, I, I I can't remember if it was um, where I found this or where I saw this or heard it, um, but it was it was something to the effect of you can never say negative things. You can never, as a supporter, it doesn't matter. Like you you know you could have you know, caught a leg in a bear trap and they still have to tell you that you look amazing and you're doing, you're doing very well. And you're, you know, there, there can never be any negativity from the support crew from, and uh, this is really good advice I heard because, uh, you know, sometimes it's hard to do that. Yeah, it, it is. is uh, that's a very good advice. Never, ever become negative, like be, be supportive. And I had my supporter, uh, like last year he was, he's, he's, he's the, the best supporter. Like I, he's a multiple Norseman winner and he, he knows, he knows a lot, so he was trying every game in his uh, repertoire to to motivate me. And the one thing that he noticed was best was was the positive self of like, yeah, you look good. Yeah, you can really do that. Come on, run now. You you should like compared to like, come on, run. Like, uh, <laughs> don't slow down. Yeah. Yeah, 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 like stuff like that. So that's really really important to 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 stay positive because like at, at you would definitely feel like shit at uh, at races, and it doesn't help to have your support crew like confirm your feeling. 
<laughs> no, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, so 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 that's that's my advice. Be be uh, as possible, uh, no, as positive as you can. Um, but also need to add that you need to be firm as a supportive team. Um, like yep. when you have a nutrition plan, uh, it's like they're there, uh, the support team are there to make you perform as good as possible. They're not there to give you what you need. Uh, what, what they're not there to give you what you think you need or what you want to have. So if if you don't want to eat, uh, they should tell you that you need to eat. Yeah, you have to eat. Yeah, they they have to keep you on plan as well. Right? Yeah, you have to keep you on plan. And I had a lot of like good uh, good performers or high uh, good triathletes who, who did race and they didn't want to eat, so they did eat, and then they suddenly they want to eat everything, and the supporter gave them everything. So they ended up vomiting, of course. Like it's like, <laughs> yeah. So it it isn't it isn't you need you need to have your game plan and find out what what things that you can deviate from and what you cannot. Right. So they have to be they have to be supportive and positive, but they also have to you know keep you accountable to some extent. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's really important. That, but because they can't be only supportive and like. Yeah, we give you everything you you say you want. So that's um, that's also important to 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 be wary of. Awesome. Well, listen. Thank you so much for this. This was uh, you know personally incredibly useful for me. I'm uh, I'm not the only reason I'm not taking notes is because I know I'm going to go through the uh, the podcast and make show notes anyway. So uh, <laughs> otherwise, I would have been taking notes because, um, like I said, individually for me, this is going to be very helpful in um, in Canada, man, and hopefully for our listeners who are contemplating an extreme triathlon, which I think we both agree they should, or if they're trying to improve on a past result, I think this episode will be truly helpful so thank you alan for coming on again yeah and thanks for for letting me on it's uh, this is this is a very good topic and a lot of people have asked me about it and it's hard to to write all you can say in in one hour so it's uh, it's nice to, to be talking to it and i would share the episode with anyone who who asks me about uh, about this awesome well thank you very much and uh, all the best in your season and i'm sure we'll we'll, we'll chat sometime soon Um, well, that'll do it for us today. Thank you, as always, for listening and, uh, and tuning in. And um, if you like the show, tell your friends and uh, give us a review uh, and a rating on iTunes.